0: You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with an array of thinkers from faith leaders to academics to artists to explore deep questions of meaning, questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to welcome to our show Victor Nelson, a former Lutheran pastor who decided to specialise as a pastoral counsellor and family therapist and who is now an adjunct faculty teaching graduate counselling courses providing spiritual direction and organisational consulting. Vic, welcome.
1: Thank you, Rabbi Neil. It's great to be here.
0: It's wonderful having you here. So you studied faith development in the 1980s. So why don't we start with what is faith development?
1: This is really interesting because the faith development theorists developed this model based on sort of psychosexual development that's dominant in therapy. And what they suggested was that people go through a developmental process in their faith lives and uh, I can summarize it very briefly, that we begin with an affiliate to faith. We, we become, as infants and young children, members of a community. Then we start to identify with faith characters, heroes, heroines in our faith traditions. Then we learn what our church teaches. Huh. And so that is, is kind of the, the anchor point for most people that are involved with the faith community. But the faith development theorists went further. They said, at some point, we have to personalize that and decide, do we believe everything that our tradition has taught? Can we decide to still be faithful to our tradition if we don't believe this particular doctrine, for instance? Then the faith theorists said, we find ways to live that expression of a personalized faith and the theorists ended up with a final stage of faith development that we would be more universal or inclusive, seeing wisdom and truth in every tradition. And uh, what I, I wish I had understood this when I started my parish ministry because I was not good as a pastoral leader helping people proceed or grow beyond what the church taught. Ah, right. And, and so I think most pastors don't have that perspective of how can we help people on their spiritual journey, even if it means they depart from some of the key doctrines in our tradition.
0: Right. Yeah. So then the question of a pastor being someone who educates or someone who guides someone on a spiritual journey, even if it takes them beyond.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I got in trouble with a couple of parishes for, <laughs> for moving in that direction. Right. I lived in Utah for 20 years and with all due respect to my Mormon sisters and brothers. I worked with so many of them. They were on my staff at my counseling center. There is a preponderance. and I don't think this is unique to Mormons. I think in most church traditions, I believe what my church teaches. And mm. people get arrested in their faith development, just like some people get arrested in their psychosexual development. And it is tragic that... They don't incorporate um, more of an independent approach to their tradition to say, well, gee, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I can accept that part of my tradition, but I do accept this. And maybe I can bring some things in from other traditions.
0: That's fascinating for me from a Jewish perspective. Um, Immediately when I'm hearing you share this um, this path, this development, I can't help but think of Rabbi Mordechai Kaplan, a blessed memory, who said that we go through three stages of belonging, behaving, believing. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And that's similar but different. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I find it interesting that, that people talk about—there's the, the, this conversation about identifying with characters and then learning what the church teaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because in a temple like ours, for example, we yeah. put out Bible story cartoons. Exactly, books. yeah. But do we, do we really believe I'm Moses, I'm whoever, or is it just learning the lessons from them? It sounds no, like th- you're saying the first. I think
1: it's more the first. It's like, I want to be like Moses. Ah. Uh, you know, what would it be like to have been at that burning bush— uh, You know, could I help rescue people from oppression? You know, can I be heroic like the characters in my tradition? I, I think there is that kind of identification.
0: So then, see the question, it's interesting for me, and maybe this is because I'm a Reformed Jew, and, and for me, Judaism is about questioning everything, and it's not about doctrine, it's about action and so on. Yeah. But it sounds like... I don't know of this is what my church teaches, mm-hmm. um, and you're saying that that's arresting the the faith development. Yeah. Um, what are the boundaries of churches in your experience? Then um, is there that sense of if you belong here, you must believe this, or you cannot believe this? I mean, there there is in part in Judaism, um, you know, there's there's a certain limit. Um, But we say there's 70 faces of Torah. In other words, it's not just one interpretation. So what happens to a person when they discover, I don't believe what my church says? It sounds like you're saying that's healthy. It's healthy, but if
1: the church itself cannot accept that uh, independence, that autonomy, I think that's part of the demographic shift that is happening in our culture where people are saying, well, shoot, if I, if I can't accept this, then I've got to leave the church. Right. So I'm still on my spiritual journey, right. but my church is not feeding that anymore.
0: And so I guess part of this comes back to the sort of patriarchal, I'm the authority, I pass this down to you. I'm guessing that's not where you're coming from, from a perspective no. of religion.
1: No, not at all. Yeah. So, so then what is it for you? Well, for me, um, I've kind of moved away from religion if we define religion as the organized constructs, you know, of a tradition or a doctrine. Mm. uh, Because as a former pastor, I've been a member of churches. Right. And in virtually every setting, I leave a worship experience hungry. It's like, it just hasn't happened. Where's the challenging preaching? Where's the mind-opening thoughts? Uh, Where is the exploration of things beyond just a basic doctrine? Um, And and it's just a challenge to find a community where the leadership is encouraging that kind of exploration.
0: One of my teachers, Rabbi Tony Bayfield, back in England, used to talk about dwellers and seekers Ah. and said that in every community there are dwellers and seekers. And indeed in us, sometimes we dwell and sometimes we seek. It sounds like you're very much a seeker. Yeah. But don't, doesn't religion also need to provide for the dwellers for whom oh, the world is so crazy and so challenging as it develops and changes constantly yeah. that they just need something not to be challenged on a Sunday, for exactly. example?
1: Exactly, right. And if you think about uh, developmental stages that people go through, um, psychosexual development, that idea of developing foundations or building blocks – in the developmental process is very much similar in a, in a religious way. I need a framework, I need mm. a platform, I need a holding container. And so doctrine is important. I remember in my first parish in New Jersey, uh, I was part of an ecumenical group and a Presbyterian pastor made a comment that the church's function is to teach morality. Mm. And I rebelled against that. Yes, you know, there are values embedded in every faith tradition, but I certainly didn't see the church's role or function as teaching morality. I think it's bigger than that.
0: So what is it then? It's more about
1: meaning. I think it's more about finding meaning or purpose. Uh, And and that's where my transition into pastoral counseling became more significant for me.
0: But isn't ethics, morality... Isn't that a, an offshoot of meaning and oh, purpose? Y- y-
1: absolutely. I would say that's true. I would say that's true. I wouldn't say it's the primary purpose or function of religion or of a church. You know, yes, we build community. Yes, we, we nurture people in their journeys. Mm. We somehow facilitate or encourage, empower the expressions of those faith commitments in our communities, in our culture, in our society. But if it's just framed around morality, it's like, okay, my church is going to tell me if I'm good or bad. Right. I'm going to go to heaven or hell. No, I think it's way beyond that.
0: But then since you're talking about the expressions of faith, it sounds like, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're saying that there might be some expressions of faith that are beyond what is acceptable. Yeah, in a a particular tradition. In which case, what should a person do? When well, they find themselves in that situation. Yeah.
1: What, what I have found, uh, I've done some spiritual direction with people where they're on that sort of a journey. Um, and I think if the leadership in that faith tradition is wise enough, they can find the support and the encouragement. For me, my venturing out uh, was when I started doing pastoral counseling and I had clients who were Jewish. I had clients who were Muslim, Hindu. Um, native traditions. So I began studying various traditions so that I could better understand where my clients are coming from and the challenges that they may face. Um, I've had some recent clients where I've done some online therapy work, lesbian women in Saudi Arabia.
0: Hmm.
1: How challenging is that? And for these young women who, who don't have an identity that's accepted in their culture, how can they still find an anchor in their um, Muslim tradition? You know uh, you know they can still be faithful in their tradition,
0: but culturally, they don't have a place. But are you this- the person to be telling them or helping them in the sense that you're so removed from their situation? The difficulty for me is shouldn't there be a go and talk to your imam? But then the problem would be, but what if the imam Yes, exactly,
1: exactly. And and in both of these cases they would not do that. Right. Um in, in and again, both of these cases, I made it really clear, you may be a client, I may be the expert on our therapy process, but you're the expert on your experience, your culture, your religion. And so help me understand the challenges that you're facing. Uh, I can help you find your way uh, through this right. um, challenge.
0: No, that's that's totally fair. Yeah. I, t- I totally understand that. Yeah. I guess you used a phrase before, just before we take a break, you used a phrase before, spiritual direction. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean to you?
1: The people that I've worked with um, that are seeking a spiritual director are people on a personal journey Where they're trying to identify greater meaning or purpose in their lives. And the folks I've worked with have been primarily in that uh, Judeo-Christian tradition, uh, in that spiritual direction, spiritual journey process. Um, But people are, they're hungry for some meaning, some purpose, and too many times we either don't get that uh, nurturing from the faith communities that we identify with or our lives are so taken with work and family that how do we, how do we pay attention to a spiritual journey? So that's, that's been fascinating to work with folks in that process.
0: It's fascinating. It's absolutely wonderful to to hear you share this. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about universal spirituality, which is something you you touched on before. Excellent. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR uh, with Rabbi Neil Amswich, My guest this evening, Victor Nelson, former Lutheran pastor and current pastoral counselor and family therapist. And we'll just be back after this break. You're back, listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom, and my guest this evening, Victor Nelson, former Lutheran pastor and current pastoral counselor and family therapist. And before the break, we were talking about the search for meaning and the um, the search for purpose, and what happens if it transcends a church's or a faith community's doctrine. Um, and it sounds to me like you're you're focusing on a much more at the end you, uh, of the. Um, personal faith development journey you said living an expression that's universal, a sort of faith expression that's universal. what does that mean and and I guess when I hear that it, it just makes me slightly nervous because it, it seems like it's missing the the nuances of religion so mm-hmm. so help me out here
1: right. When I'm thinking about universal spirituality, um, my focus would be helping people get to a point where they can find wisdom, truth, meaning, guidance in whatever tradition they uh. may draw on. So in some of my spiritual direction work, people may delve deeper into their Christian tradition, but I also may have them looking at a Navajo um, spirituality. Uh, one of the clients I'm currently working with said, you know, I'm looking for more balance in my life. And so I introduced him to the uh, Navajo concept of walking in beauty walking in harmony walking in balance same word meaning all three things Hmm. and so he he was able to start thinking beyond just a christian orientation to find something that had a richer meaning as he sought balance in his life
0: how do you know that you are representing or sharing those teachings of other faith traditions Hmm. authentically how do you know this is, you know, instead of we always warn people, don't look up, don't ask Rabbi Google. right? <laughs> Rabbi Google <laughs> right. tends not to give answers that are helpful. Right. How do you know in, in this clearly important work, how do you know that what you're sharing is actually authentic? Right.
1: And and I take the responsibility for that, Rabbi Neil, because um, I've studied Buddhism. I've studied Navajo tradition. I've interviewed a Navajo singer, a medicine man. I've never uh, interviewed a Hopi medicine woman. I try to make a point to have at least a foundational understanding. Right. If I'm going to draw on that tradition uh, or introduce it at least as a, as a possibility you know, for someone, I certainly do not want to do any kind of cultural appropriation to say, gee, I'm an expert on Navajo spirituality. Right, right. I'm not. Right. And in fact, I was, if I can share a short story, I had a young man who was a Navajo client in uh, Utah, And at one point, he said uh, he was going to go to Flagstaff, Arizona, for a powwow, and he was going to be playing music. And I said, oh, like, do you drum or do you do the flute? And he goes, no, man, I play in a heavy metal rock band. It was like, oh, wait, I made a huge cultural assumption that here's a mid-20s guy who's going to go to a Navajo gathering, Mm -hmm. and I'm making assumptions about what kind of music he's going to play there. So I've, I really try to guard myself in not making assumptions or presumptions, uh, you know, ab- about what I'm representing.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think that's a, a lovely way to approach it. I, I wonder in today's spiritual supermarket place. <laughs> I like that
1: term. I can't.
0: <laughs> I might use <laughs> that in a sermon. Um, I, I can't help but think of. Pick and mix. When I was a kid, we used to go to the supermarket uh, or, or the Woolworths, actually, yeah. um, and we used to we used to just put our hands in the bins and pick and mix. Yeah. Does that work for religion? I mean, it works for candy, mm. but does it work for religion? Because that, that I hear, yeah. is a potential risk yeah. if you're guiding people and they say, oh, well, I find this concept from this faith helpful and this from this faith mm. helpful. And they're bringing together concepts that may not actually mesh well together if you actually look at the sort of basis of the custom. Right.
1: I think that's a danger. Right. that Just picking and choosing a little bit from this tradition or that tradition. I think it's more a matter of, you know, if one of my clients is having a struggle with an issue, would it be helpful to you if I shared some of the perspectives of a Navajo person? Right. You know, or a Buddhist perspective. Uh, and so I introduce it and it's up to the client then to find how much of that could be useful or meaningful that they could integrate or incorporate in their journey.
0: Do you find – I think this is fascinating. Uh, there's a very common phrase which we – a lot of us hear nowadays of spiritual but not religious. Mm-hmm. Um, do you experience that? Absolutely. Right.
1: It sort of goes back to what I was saying that um, if, if, if I invest myself in a religious experience – I go to church, you know, we we go through a liturgy, we hear a sermon, and I come away like, where's the meat? Where's the substance here? Religious, in my framework, is more the structured or organized gatherings of people. Okay, we have a service, we have a worship, we have a liturgy. Spiritual is a much more personal dimension Mm -hmm. where um, I'm trying to understand— my purpose, my life meaning. And how can I pursue that with the best understanding, even if it goes outside the parameters of my tradition?
0: This is all very individually centered. Yes. Uh, I I cast my mind back a sermon I gave um, on the High Holy Days last year was, um, it's not always about you. And saying, don't always expect, just as we watch a uh, a lightning storm, most of the time, nothing happens. And then there's that very brief flash, and that's what we remember. Yeah. And so similarly, this expectation that every time we go to a religious service, we're going to see the lightning flash, we're going to be struck with inspiration. I wonder if that's real or realistic even, because... Because it's not always about you. Maybe by virtue of the fact that everyone gathers together, someone else gets that experience oh, in I, the community.
1: Absolutely. And that's where the the importance and the strength of a community is, that we're supporting each other in whatever faith journeys people may be on. I, I did a lot of youth ministry in my parish ministry. And that whole idea of the the aha moment, we mm-hmm. would do youth retreats and these Teenagers would have these phenomenal experiences. They would come home, and it's like, my mom made me clean up the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, and they're back to everyday life. And they, they couldn't sustain right. that flash of inspiration or that flash of excitement. Um, yeah, we would like to have maybe more of that in our lives. Right. Okay. You know. Um, but what I found is that having that growing Certainty based on a foundation of our journey. Mm. It, it's more of a presence of my journey rather than the lightning flash. And then we occasionally will get the lightning flash.
0: You know. Do you think, uh, as I as I hear you talk, there's something. There's a question about doctrine. I guess. Um, are you anti doctrinal, or or maybe another way to ask it would be. Um, Is doctrine healthy or unhealthy for the human psyche?
1: Oh, I think it's important. I think it's important. I was trying to think of an analogy here. Um, As children grow up, uh, they learn some uh, skills, behaviors, expectations. You know, you pick up your toys, Mm -hmm. you brush your teeth. That becomes a family doctrine. You have to do these things. And it's a foundation for the ultimate goal. We're trying to get our kids out of the house as quickly as possible as successfully as possible. Right. And so I think doctrine provides that launch pad, you know, for people. It provides that context of meaning and belonging, mm. just like a child in a family. But our ultimate goal in a family, we want people to be launched successfully into their own lives. Right. And, and could we say the same thing in our church? You know, to, to say, can we launch our members into society where they can express this foundation of faith, in their own personal, committed
0: ways. I I think that's a really interesting comparison. And I'm trying not to bring my own personal life here (laughs) in the mornings. Um, But but children often know that's what they're meant to do in the morning, but don't. Correct. And so that, I guess, would be an expression of, but my personal development needs to be Almost, But not as an act of rebellion necessary, although it, it, it could be. be. Yeah, it can be. It, right? it could be, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess, so does that mean that you're seeing a lot of places of worship as, I guess, patronizing, as saying, we're still telling you the rules mm-hmm. and you, you need to follow the rules of behavior? Um, is that the, the, the critique of, of organized religion? That is
1: part of it, and you're exactly on point with that, Rabbi Neil. Uh, One of my dear friends locally is writing a book. Uh, He comes out of a Roman Catholic tradition, now an ecumenical Roman Catholic, Mm. ecumenical Catholic, excuse me, and um, his book is actually challenging that very foundation in the Roman Catholic tradition, that it's been too patriarchal, too authoritarian, and it's departed from some of the essential teachings of Jesus. And so he's, he's doing a fabulous job. He's asked me to review some of his work and offer some edits and comments, but I th- I think that um, that is one of the tensions in the church. You know, Can doctrine be a positive holding container that can help launch us, or does mm-hmm. it become an oppressive expectation that you have to believe what the church teaches?
0: I think uh, this, I guess, leads to, as we start to wrap up, this leads to, I guess, a view of The role of religion in the future then, doesn't it? I guess that's the obvious next question about where do you see organized religion needs to go?
1: I wish I were younger and wiser (laughs) and could teach uh, because I think if we equipped church leaders um, with this notion that ultimately we're trying to help people develop a personal expression of their faith tradition— um, I think that the church could be enriched or enlivened in that way.
0: But that's it, a very liberal perspective of religion, isn't it? it as is, opposed to a conservative the, idea that God dictates, yep, just yep. as the parent. And who yeah. are you? You know, we're just trying to brush our teeth here in the morning, and God knows best. <laughs> you know, yeah. so isn't the conservative critique of this? Uh, you, it, it's just that's just your human arrogance saying yeah. that. And,
1: and that's part of the tension that I've lived with. I've done a great deal of consulting within that conservative evangelical community where I have such a hard time with their doctrine and yet one of my friends locally was disparaging the Bible thumpers. Oh. I said, wait a minute, we may not agree with their doctrine, but the churches I've worked with are having a huge impact in their communities. Mm, right. They've got they've got preschools for their children, sort of like Temple Beth Shalom. Right, right. They've got outreach programs for children in the community. They develop a, a gymnasium open to the community for kids. They do after-school tutoring programs. They're doing programs for young marrieds to strengthen an early marriage relationship. They're doing some phenomenal things. Mm-hmm. I don't accept all their theology. Mm. I don't. I don't accept sort of the the uh, what would be a patronizing. Um, expectation, you know, you have to believe this to be in our church. But they're doing some good work.
0: So it's possible for the future, for what you're hoping for by the sounds of it, is good work and open thought?
1: I think it gets into that level of faith development where we personalize um, our faith and then we find ways to express it. So Mm. some people may do it by, you know, serving in the food bank. Some people may do it by, you know, lobbying their legislators some people may do it by getting involved in environmental issues. But if we can personalize our faith and then find ways to express that, that would be
0: my hope for church leaders. This has been fascinating. Thank you so much. You've really, this, this idea of the personalized faith journey and development, I, I find really interesting. It's given me lots to think about.
1: What a pleasure to be here, Rabbi Neil. Thank you. Of course. You.
0: So you've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. And thanks again to my guest, Vic Nelson, former Lutheran pastor and current pastoral counselor and family therapist. I really genuinely do hope that you come back again and that we can talk again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Soul Searching. And until we return again in two weeks time, keep searching.